This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Alhamdulillahi khaliq al-wujudi min al-adam wa ja'il al-nuri min al-dhulam wa mukhrij al-sabri min al-alam fa mulqi al-tawbati ala al-nadam. فنشكره على المصائب كما نشكره على النعم ونصلي على رسوله الأكرم بالشرف الأشم والنور الأتم والكتاب المحكم وكمال النبيين والخاتم سيد ولد آدم الذي بشر به عيسى بن مريم ودعا لبعثته إبراهيم عليه السلام حين كان يرفع قواعد بيت الله المحرم فصلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى أتباعه خير الأمم الذين بارك الله بهم كافة الناس العرب منهم العجم الحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبره تكبيرا والحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا والحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أصله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وإن طائفتان من المؤمنين اقتتلوا فأصلحوا بينهما فإن بغت إحداهما على الأخرى فقاتلوا التي تبغي حتى تفيئ إلى أمر الله فإن فاءت فأصلحوا بينهما بالعدل وأقسطوا إن الله يحب المقسطين إنما المؤمنون إخوة فأصلحوا بين أخويكم واتقوا الله لعلكم ترحمون رب الشحل صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي واللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله واللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين well, Once again everyone I would like to welcome you to this khutbah which is part of a series of khutbah that I've been giving on the same ayah this is the ninth ayah of Surah Al-Hujurat Surah Al-Hujurat is the 49th Surah so it's 49.9 that we've been talking about. And it's a place where Allah describes the scenario in which believing communities are fighting each other or they're having conflict within each other and what to do. And so I've spent three khutbahs getting up to the part فَأَصْلِحُ بَيْنَهُمَا then make reconciliation between them and what that would mean. Uh, and now we're going to move forward from there. Um, Allah Azza wa Jal says فَإِن بَغَتْ إِحْدَاهُمَا عَلَى الْأُخْرَى فَقَاتِلُوا الَّتِي تَبْغِي حَتَّى تَفِيئَ إِلَىٰ أَمْرِ So. In order to help you understand that, I want you to think of it as two groups of people that are having an argument. Maybe it was two individuals that turned into two groups, or it's two groups all together. Um, and they've got this big fight going on between them. And you've got, so there's group A and there's group B. And like I said before, there's the rest of us that are group C. And so we're the ones that are being addressed. So the Quran doesn't actually directly address A or B. It addresses C, the rest of us. And what to do with those two groups that are fighting it out with each other and you're witness to it. What are you supposed to do? Well, the first thing we read about was do everything you can to make peace between them. But then let's just say that, you know, you sat down for arbitration 
and everybody's on the same table. You've got th that party and they've got, you know, the, the two opposing parties and B across from each other on the table and you're negotiating a peace settlement between them. You're the one arbitrating. Well, here's what you did wrong. Here's what you did wrong. Let's have a little give and take. Let's make this work. Let's shake hands on it. And you kind of make this peace deal. Now, this sounds like a, you know, a peace treaty being negotiated at the United Nations or something, but it can happen in a family. It can happen in a community. It can happen in a business disagreement. And it can actually happen at the level of nations and societies. And it can even happen in courts. You know, lots of courts, for example, before you take a civil matter to the court for a trial, they mandate that you take it for arbitration, meaning sit, you know, talk it out and see if you can work it out without taking it all the way to court. Right. So this is kind of a back room negotiation. It's a private discourse where everybody gets to air out what their concerns were. And this is actually a part of reconciling things. You need to create a safe space where both sides can share their grievances and it's not being broadcast to everybody. You know, there's only the, the what the Quran in other places will call hakam, right? There are people that are wise enough to negotiate a peace between two sides. And that wisdom doesn't necessarily come from random screen names on social media. So open public is not the place to make something de-escalate. The open public discussion about a, a disagreement is only an opportunity to escalate something out of proportion. But let's the two grieving parties, the two parties that actually have a problem with each other, let's get them together in a room. Let's get somebody responsible to hear both sides out so they're not feeling like they're being pulled, put in a corner that one person's being you know, or one group is being sided with, or one being one is being favored. We've already talked about the impartiality of it all, right? And now in this private setting where they can actually openly say, this is what happened to us. And this is what they did. We don't want to broadcast their wrongs towards us, but we have this grievance and it needs to be addressed, right? So there's a difference between addressing the issue you have and broadcasting the issue you have with someone else. If you want to address, there's a, there's a platform, there's an environment that the rest of us are supposed to be able to create where these things can be addressed in a mature way. Well, why not? Why, why not be able to talk to anybody about what's going on? Well, because when word spreads between people, then it mutates. You know, kids play a game called telephone. Right. So you tell one person one thing by the time they pass it to another person, another person, another person, the grievance may have been they hit me. This person slapped me. And by the time it spread, man, they slapped everyone in their family. They lined them all up and tied them up and then they beat them up. And it's exaggerated so out of proportion. You don't even know what the original issue was, because now it's been rumors. And I heard a lot of people are saying, you know, you know what everybody's saying and who's everybody? Nobody knows. Right. So it's escalated. And the Quran wants things to de-escalate and act the actual issue and grievance to be resolved. So when you have that sit down and you have this, you know, um, negotiation going on, you notice any serious negotiation between conflicting parties is never broadcast. Every time there's a serious, like if there's a family conflict and you really need to resolve it, the door has to be closed. The adults are talking in the room. They need to figure something out. There's a there's a court there's a you know back room in the court where the arbitration needs to take place. Or there are high, highly secure rooms where government officials can speak freely about their reservations, and the media isn't even allowed in there while the negotiations are going on. The final resolution they can broadcast to the the world, but the negotiations themselves are private. You understand that? And what is why is that important? Al majalisu bil amanati. 
when negotiations are happening, when a peace is being negotiated, when a conflict is being resolved in a private gathering, then everyone who is in that gathering is sworn to private to secrecy. Every one of them got to have a seat on that table because they are supposed to hold that the, what, what is discussed in this meeting is in this meeting. And the only thing that will come out of this meeting that will be shared with someone else is what we all agree can be shared. So you can't be one of these people and go on and say, man, that was a hard meeting. Oh, so hard. Let me tell you, I can't talk here. I'll tell you over lunch. You can't do that. That's a violation of that meeting. You understand? So he says now that this negotiation happened. Hands are shaken. Hugs are given. Forgiveness. A is no longer mad at B. B is no longer mad at A. We're going to put that behind us. We're going to move forward. The conflict is over. Right? Everybody's happy. Now we come out of that settlement. And the announcement is made that this conflict is over. This has been negotiated. It's been settled. It's been taken care of. And what does that mean? That means the rest of you don't get to say, hey, what do you mean it's over? I mean, I'm still angry. I still want to. It's not my fight, but I want to be angry on behalf of someone else and keep the fire burning because I kind of find it entertaining. Or you really, you negotiated? You accepted a peace? How could you? Like the people that had to resolve the matter have already resolved it. But then what does the devil do? Well, these people resolved it, but other people are not satisfied with peace. It's not, it's not juicy enough. It's not spicy enough in life. So they want to make sure they go back to A and B and urge them to undo what they just did. You see? It could also be that they agree. There's a, it's a kind of hypocrisy. That when, you, when you're behind closed doors, you come to an agreement Everybody shakes hands. Okay, this is what we've agreed on, right? And the moment you walk out of there, first, you violate the sanctity of the confidentiality of that agreement. Any one of you, A, B, or C. Or A says, you know, I signed up and I agreed to this piece, but I wasn't really happy about it. I felt like I was being cornered in. So I just got bullied into signing on to this, but I, didn't, I don't really agree. The time to say that was when you were in that room. The time to say that is not when you come out of it. You understand? So what they do is they'll say they, they, this closed door peace, but they come out and say, well, no, there wasn't really a peace. I didn't really agree. This was all a scam, whatever else. Um, that's not what happened inside. And so they go back to the fighting for whatever, from outside influences or from the hypocrisy they wanted to generate in and of themselves, paranoia. They feel like there was a bias. Therefore, they don't agree to it. Well, if you felt there was a bias, you sh shouldn't have agreed to it to begin with, right? So now the scenario is even after a peace has been reached, a settlement has been reached, a negotiation has been agreed on, one of the parties, A or B, one of them goes back and violates it again and starts crossing the line against the other group again. They pick up the fight again. And now the other group had literally laid down their arms. They're no longer on guard because they figure... We've reached a peace. We don't have to fight anymore. So they, they, were, they weren't expecting to be attacked again, and they get attacked again. Now, again, I, this could be military in, in, in a political sense. This could be verbal abuse. They could, this could be any kind of scenario where human beings have conflict, right? So they, they start getting slandered or slammed again. You know, where did this come from? We, I thought we agreed. Where did, how could you do this? So when Allah, Allah says here that if one of those groups, A or B, violates the agreement, then what should happen? 
Then all of you should fight the one who violated. In other words, Allah is no longer talking about making peace. He's saying these people didn't respect a peace that was reached. That means they're no longer at odds with B. A is no longer fighting with B. A has declared that they are also fighting with C, the rest of us. Because they violated an agreement all of us reached. So they're no longer the enemy to B if they're violating. They will be fought back. Not just B has the right to fight them back. Everybody must fight them back now. Everybody must go against them now. They have to be singled out because they did this. They brought this on themselves. Allah says, fight the one who's referred. So, so now A is on their own and B and C are together fighting them. You understand? And that's sanctioned by Allah. And the, the language is remarkable. Until the group that rebelled, the group that violated the peace, the group that went back on its word after shaking hands, until they return to the command of Allah. It's incredible language because a negotiated peace is something that is that, that is reached by human back and forth. Three groups of human beings were talking to each other, trying to reach a settlement. But once people in good faith reach a settlement, Allah stamps it as his own divine verdict. Violating that is violating the command of Allah. Like they're not violating an ayah of the Quran. They're not violating a commandment in the Quran. They're violating the agreement that they themselves reached. Do you understand? So when, what, what does that teach us in the Qur'an? When people in good faith agree on something, then violating that is actually a crime against God. If you and I have a contract, if we have an agreement, if we have a promise towards each other, and I break that promise, I'm not just violating you, I'm violating Allah, Allah himself, the command of Allah himself. So he says, fight them until they come back to the command of Allah. حَتَّى تَفِيئَ إِلَىٰ أَمْرِ اللَّهِ Okay, now that... A thought that they're just going to pick a fight with B And if things go bad, we'll go back to the negotiating table That's not what Allah says No, you're going to get fought by everybody now You're going to get slammed by everybody So they back off and say, okay, 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 okay Okay, okay we're, we're backing up let's, let's just, we want peace again Right, so the ones who were acting criminally Now they say they want peace again What should you do in this case? Allah says, فَأَصْلِحُ بَيْنَهُمَا Then now make peace between them again But then you're like we already tried that. We did that and they went back on it. And Allah is saying, it's like almost Allah asking us to be gullible, right? So you want to bring them back on the table, negotiate it again. What's to say they won't break it again? But Allah adds a different clause this time. The next time you bring them to the table, the next time you bring them to sit down and discuss how are we going to reach a peace, Allah says, فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا بِالْعَدْلِ he adds two things. Make sure you peace, make peace between them this time with justice. And adil can also mean open justice. And what does that mean? It's no longer closed door. It's a public hearing. Everybody gets to hear every side. Every part of the process is now public. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing that all the dirty laundry is being brought out in public. But when people are going to say that the negotiations that happened behind closed doors, we do, you don't know what happened in there. We got bullied. It wasn't this way and that way. Well, we can't trust closed doors anymore because you're questioning everybody's credibility. The only way to make sure that you no longer get to question the process by which the peace was reached is that the entire process must now become what? Transparent. The whole thing should be publicly done with justice.
like in an open courtroom kind of thing. You understand? So Allah says, yeah, bring them back, but now it's got to be a public and humiliating trial. That's just what it's got to be. That's the only way to keep this in check. But then he adds another clause. Fine, now we get it. We, we, this, you know, a, a, a private confidential kind of meeting is no longer in order because they violated that to begin with. So they don't have the right to that anymore. And you have to protect yourself too. So you have to lay everything out in public. Understood. He says, It's interesting because it's a similar, almost a synonym for adil. Adil means justice, qist means justice too. He says, And make sure you're not unfair. I'm being as literal to the etymology as possible because qist actually uh, and qasit and muqsit are different. Qasit is someone who does injustice and muqsit is someone who makes sure he doesn't do injustice. So as if the Quran is saying, make peace between them fairly and then adds on and make sure you're not unfair. Now why, why, why would, because when you say do something fairly, that already means you're making sure you're not unfair. So why add this additional clause and make sure you're not unfair and make sure you don't cross the line. Why? Because the first time when you came to trial, A had a fight with B, right? And who was the neutral party? C. The second time when A came back to the courtroom and B's on the other side, C is still the judge. But this time C is mad because C already sat in that place, already reached an agreement and A broke the rules, right? So this time C is not sitting there on the judge's chair, neutral. C is sitting in the judge's chair, upset. And who are they upset at, A or B? They're upset at A because they broke the rule. And then Allah even sanctioned them that U S C along with B are gonna go fight A. I know this sounds like the alphabet algebra, but keep up with me, right? So now the judge is actually angry at the one that they just fought. And as they started getting fought, they said, no, 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 no. Okay, let's make peace again, let's make peace again. So, now, as you're sitting there, there is lots of room for emotional bias against them. They're almost criminal or not innocent, guilty, unless they can prove they're innocent. You see, when you come into a courtroom, you assume innocence on both sides. But now the judge himself or herself or the group knows these people are criminal to begin with. So the entire process of justice, which, which is predicated, it depends on the assumption that the person you are trying is going to be assumed innocent until there is explicit proof that they are what? Guilty, until that's the case. You cannot have that preconceived notion about them. Now your experience with these people has made you think of them as a criminal, rightfully so. But that means that even other matters in which they may be right, listen to this carefully, in other matters in which they might even have a right, you are not going to give them that right because you've already labeled them as a criminal. Therefore, they don't have rights that, like the rest of us do. They can't be trusted like the rest of us can be trusted. They are evil. They're the bad guys. They need to be put in their place. In other words, now justice will not be served. It's almost as though you're team B already. You're, you're against team A. He says, when you sit in that judge's chair the second time, you need to make sure that you avoid injustice. A bias against someone and a bias in favor of someone, both of them the Qur'an condemns. It's a delicate situation. What the Qur'an is teaching us here is when you, you know, because of what we come to hear about somebody or some group, or because of our experience with a person or a group, because of that, we develop a notion about how they are going to be 
not just what they did, what they will do, who they will be. We make projections about what kind of person they are. And that keeps us from being fair in our dealings with them. So on the one hand, Allah says, fight them. On the other hand, Allah says, don't be quick to judge them even after you fought them. <laughs> it's such an incredible like standard of balance. And it's such an incredible human reality that it's hard to ignore. I mean, I'm going to have a bias towards someone who had no respect for the fact that I, I negotiated a peace. And I just had to fight them. I'm going to have lack of respect for them. I'm going to have a lack of, I'm not going to be biased towards them. And obviously you're going to feel a camaraderie and a closeness to per, the person you stood next to when you fought. So you're going to be leaning more towards B. And Allah says, no. And then he says, and why must you do this? Why must you make sure that you're fair towards them? In Allah, you hibbul muqsitun. There's no doubt about it. It is in fact Allah. He loves those who stay away from being unfair. This is a remarkable subtlety in the Quran. You see, when you have this jumla ismiya format, um, I, I won't get into grammatical complexities because this is a khutbah. I'll give you the, the bottom line. Uh, it says, Allah saying, God is the one that loves those who are fair. In other words, when you go out of your way to be fair, even to those that everybody hates, then everybody's going to hate you. Why are you being fair to them? They're not even going to say fair. Why are you being so soft on them? Because they want extra punishment for them. Do you understand? They want to justify their rage against them. And you're saying, no, 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 we're going to be fair. And we're going to treat equal. Oh, you treat equal? These people? These people you want to talk about? You want to favor them? And everybody will be mad at you because you're standing up for justice. And Allah says, that is the time where you must remember that the only one who will love you when you stand up for justice is Allah. Allah, in fact, is the one who loves those who stay away from being unfair. Because being not being unfair in that circumstance holding on to the principles of justice against your own biases and the biases of your people and the biases of your group and the biases of your family will make all of them think that you're not loyal enough to them. And you're not. You're not loyal to them. You're not loyal to A. You're not loyal to B. You're loyal to justice because you want Allah's love, not theirs. That's the standard for a judge that Allah put in the Quran. In Allah, yuhibbul muqsitin. When you study this carefully, you know what dawns on you and me? What, like, the reality that, that hits us? We are so quick to judge in life. And we love being in the position of passing judgment. Whether just in here, or on our tongues, or in dealings. But if we understood the kind of standard Allah places on people that are going to pass judgment, then we would really want to check ourselves because we're really quick to, let me put somebody else in check. Let me execute justice on them. But the ayah, more than the majority of this ayah, wasn't even about the person on trial. Most of this ayah is about the person putting themselves in a position of passing judgment. And what standard they must have to hold themselves up to. And that's a really hard question to ask myself and you to ask yourself. Are we meeting the expectations of al-muqsitin, these people that Allah loves, that they make sure they're not leaning towards the unfair? In Allah yuhibbul muqsitin. The people around the Prophet learned these things and they became super sensitive to these things. They developed a hypersensitivity to, to being fair. We have hypersensitivity that someone is being unfair to us. The Sahaba had hypersensitivity 
the people around the Prophet they had hypersensitivity that they might be unfair towards someone else. You had a scenario in which one companion comes to another with a dispute. And the, the companions are Muslims, and the dispute was in Medina with a Jewish man. Right? So now a Jewish man and one of the companions has a dispute. And they come to one of the Muslims, one of the companions, and say, you know, um, I, I, I'd like you to judge between us. Right? So it was Ali radiallahu anhu who had a dispute with a Jewish man, and they came to Umar for judgment under the rule of Umar. And Umar and Ali love each other. They're companions. They fought side by side on the battlefield. They trust and they've heard each other's praise from the tongue of the Prophet himself. So they don't question each other's character. Right? And so they come and, you know, so you want to hear both sides of the story because you're a judge, right? And so you're going to hear the Jewish man's side and you're going to hear Ali's side. And when, he's, when he asks for Ali's side, he says, Abu Hassan. He said, so what's your side, Abu Hassan? What, father of Hassan, which is like a nickname, Hassan's dad, because his, his son's name is what? Hassan. Ali stopped him right there. He said, you called me by a nickname. You didn't call him by a nickname. You can't be fair in judgment. We're taking our case elsewhere. <laughs> they left. Because there's this hypersensitivity. No, 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 no. I, I don't want you to judge this case so I win. I want you to judge this case so we're make, making sure that we're fair. And even if I sense that your love for me made you say my nickname instead of my name, and you didn't say his nickname, that means you have a, an emotional bias towards me, and I'm not going forward with this trial. I take it back. You know what? He actually gave the, the Jewish man what he wanted in the dispute. I don't have a dispute anymore because uh, I don't want to be labeled as someone being unfair. He's not concerned about if Omar will be upset. He's not concerned about his material loss. He's concerned that Allah might, might see him as someone who veered away from justice. That's the sensitivity a believer needs to de develop. That's the sensitivity you and I need to develop. So, you know, when Allah Azza says in this ayah, وَأَقْسِطُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُقْسِطِينَ you know, we, we get, people quote these ayat, and I've seen, you know, sometimes I, I pick ayat of the Qur'an to make khutbahs about, and to take time to talk about, because I see in our culture, in Muslim culture, often, we take things that are said in the Qur'an in a very surface way, and we use them in, ironically, we use them in the most unfair way. Like people have, in my lifetime, used this ayat to describe why they're fighting somebody. Really, you're going to use this ayah to describe why you're fighting somebody. Have you met the conditions of this ayah before you so boldly get to use God's word as a justification to slap somebody across the face? You know, we have to be humble before Allah's word. The word of Allah, it is in the highest place. We cannot place ourselves above the word of Allah and then use its quotes the way we think we're going to get what we want. That's, that's not what these... Words are for That's not what scripture is for That's not what revelation is for That we can quote it to win arguments That we can quote it to justify our anger That we can quote it to justify our biases That we can quote it to create a gang mentality That's not what this is for This is for you and me to really put ourselves in check And it's after this statement As I conclude with you this khutbah It is after this statement that the famous axiom in the Quran occurs Believers are nothing but brothers You see Saying people that share the same faith are brothers Are nothing short of brothers Is a beautiful thing But think about where Allah said that 
Allah said that right after He talked about people fighting each other. And then He talked about how hard it is and how hard you have to, what a high standard you have to hold yourself to, to make sure that you're not going to be unfair, even against those who clearly have been unfair. Because the response to unfairness is not unfairness. So if you can do that, then you get to understand what it means to be brothers. And if you don't understand this previous ayah, then and you just say, well, believers are brothers, um, then it's a very shallow, that's just uh, the word brother. It doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't carry any meaning. What, what, there's a new rich meaning to brotherhood after you study the ayah before it. This is ayah number 10 about brotherhood. Then make peace between your brothers. Why? Because if they are truly your brethren, if they are, they feel like blood to you, then you want good for them even when you're mad at them. You don't want their destruction. You feel no victory by come, you know, overcoming them. Even when they're obnoxious towards you, hurtful towards you, even when they're going down the wrong road, as mad as you are at them, over and above the anger towards them is your love for them. And when they're in trouble after messing up themselves, you don't say suits you right. You still want to help them. And you still want to help them find a way back. That's the sentiment towards brothers. When you don't have that, then what you have is, yeah, these people, they had it coming. They deserve it. And you kind of feel kind of this almost pleasure inside at the misfortune of someone else. When they get the shorter end of the stake or when they get tough justice leveled against them, it pleases you in, in some way inside. I mean, they got it good. They, they had it coming. They got put in their place. It gives you some kind of a sadistic pleasure to see someone put down. Even if justice was served, that shouldn't be making you happy because that's your own brother. That shouldn't be making you happy. That wasn't, that's not the sentiment of faith. This is why, right after justice, because you know, what, what happens in, nowadays, right? When people are in court and when they have a trial or something else, when the court trial is over and one side wins and the other side loses, you come outside and they interview the person who won and the person who lost, right? And the person who won is real happy, like, yeah, they got what they deserved. And like, there's this like, you know, joy and jubilation and people around them are also joyous and celebrating because they got their, they got their peace. Quran is teaching us a different picture. Yeah, sometimes there are actual oppressors that need to be put in place and there is a relief that you get that justice will serve. But in many of these cases, it's just one conflict and you just want to see a person destroyed because of one conflict and you get pleasure out of that. That is the furthest thing from you considering a believer brother. And he says, people of true faith, they're nothing but brothers. You know what that means? If I can't feel that way towards my, my fellow believer, then I'm not really a believer. Because if I were, I would feel that way. That's what the Quran is saying. They work both ways, don't they? It's only believers that will feel this way. And if so if I don't feel this way, then what kind of believer am I? You know, it's the, it's the same as before. Just looking at something at a surface level as a sticker, as a label that you and I wear, but it doesn't really have any meaning. I pray that our faith and our brotherhood and our sensitivity to justice has real meaning in our lives. And Allah Azza wa raises us amongst those who are al-muqsiteen and are in fact ikhwa. Be mindful of Allah so all of you may be shown Allah's loving care. Barakallahu wa lakum fi al-Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim.
الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى خصوصا على افضلهم وخاتم النبيين محمد الامين وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد ان اقول اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى ال محمد كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم في العالمين انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى ال محمد كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم في العالمين انك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله ان الله يأمر بالعدل والاحسان وايتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولذكر الله اكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون في الصلاه ان الصلاه كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا